You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to take a journey into some organizational psychology. My guest is a lady named Sharzad Nuravi. She is a master certified coach with the ICF. She is also a PsyD. A, uh, she's got a doctorate in organizational psychology, and we're going to share a couple of her models and experiences for helping organizations get more out of the teams they've got. Sharzad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Doug. Great to be here. You bet. You bet. I, um, it's dawned on me. I've had a lot of great and wonderful guests. I'm not sure I've had anyone with quite the stack of credentials that you've got, but uh, tell everybody a little more about your background and uh, the journey you've taken to get to where you are right now. Sure thing. So I have always been interested in human behavior and how we can be our best selves. And I started out as a psychology major. And at that time, there was only clinical psychology. There was no organizational psychology. I added journalism, went into corporate communications, and yet found my way to the psychology of the workplace. And I worked in-house and my master's degree and doctorate are in organizational development. And I worked in-house for companies for many years. So my background led me to a career in talent management and working in-house for organizations. So I developed a passion for the workplace and Through my career, I started out working in companies first as a consultant for an HR consulting firm where I was exposed to so many different industries, and then later in-house for companies, helping them with their talent management, their coaching, their training. And um, I was also doing some consulting work for someone um, where I was doing coaching and facilitation for Fortune 500 companies. And later in life, I decided to go back to school to earn my doctorate because I felt like it was the next step and I wanted a little bit more training. And it was the best thing I did. And when I completed it, I uh, started my company in 2010. And my company is Strategy Meets Performance. And I helped organizations that are fast growth to midsize tap into their deepest potential. I work one-on-one with executives on their leadership and learning what are they doing really well, what are some things they could adjust. And I also work with the senior team to ensure that they are fully aligned, having those important conversations, coming to those agreements, and then walking the talk. is such an important part, you know, in in mid-cap to larger enterprise publicly traded companies, there's often a disconnect with the effort to map a strategy, declare a vision, or even define a brand, and yet the work is not done internally to get the work team, the people, to align to those values and that brand identity they're trying to create. Executives are scratching their head going, why isn't this coming together? And so the effort to align all of that is a huge and daunting task. It is. It is indeed. And 
there's two things that are really important to remember about creating and sustaining a culture. One is the openness of the CEO and the willingness to walk the talk and be the change. And number two is the importance of sustaining a great culture. So you can have a wonderful retreat where you share the vision, where you share the values. Maybe you've updated them to meet the current strategy. Maybe you have grown through a series of acquisitions and you're bringing everyone together, which is wonderful. And the question is then what? How yeah, do you sustain so How are you? So what? That was fun. That's a nice binder. It should also be strategy on a page because everyone in the organization should know who are we, what are we here for, how will we do this work, what are the five most important things. And I always say, do it in every language. If you have a workforce that uh, English isn't their first language, also include it in their language. And the question is, what are you doing in your communication to reinforce the strategic goals and the values and what you want to accomplish. What are you doing to reach out to your customers? What are you doing to make a difference in the community? These things all engage employees and it's a part of ongoing culture development. And one of the things over the years that I've been in this field that I observed was when I would give talks for CEO groups, Oftentimes, the leaders would come up to me and thank me and say they had a better sense of what a good culture looks like. And oftentimes, I'd be asked, you know, can you tell me what to do? And it was such a good question because culture could feel so broad and ambiguous. And where do I start? And there's great books out there about engaging employees and good communication. And the thing is, I wanted to create a guide that would help companies be better, be better workplaces, serve their clients better, be, be make a difference in the world. And that was my thinking. People asked me, what made you write a book? And it was these great questions, these honest, vulnerable questions that made me think, how do I break this down into steps and make it memorable and actionable? I think being able to take great ideas and turn them into action steps is maybe really the secret sauce of being an effective leader. Too often we can have a project to say we need to map a new course, we need to take a new direction. We can hire consultants, we can bring in incredible intellect to help map out what all that is. But if you don't think about the steps to to go implement it, go execute on it, all the the great design work goes by the wayside. I I recall a situation I was involved in. I, I helped a large global company who, on one hand, they had great insight. The CEO was a visionary. He said, we have to change our culture if we're going to attract and retain the next generation of workers at our business. And we need them because, you know, we've got a lot of people aging out, retiring, et cetera. So well, what can we do? So they embarked on a two-year study. They mapped a whole new leadership framework of what they believed it would take to manage those people. But the interesting thing was, as soon as they rolled it out to the, the second and third tier of management, everybody was scratching their head going, 
huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? And I mean, the words were clear. It wasn't like they had gone really deep intellect on, on the way they were defining the leadership framework, but it became apparent very quickly that there was a disagreement on what some of those words meant and how, how should you implement them? So they needed a whole nother body of work on executive coaching to come in and work with those second, third and fourth level leaders to get that alignment of the vision and the purpose. And even after all of that work, there were some major cultural changes that were embodied in that. But you know what happened? The first cycle of annual review they executed, they went back to their old methods and their old metrics on how to evaluate people. They had not aligned their assessment system with all the new framework. Yeah, thank you for sharing that example. And in the good faith effort to create positive change, leaders will create a plan with or without consultants and then roll it out. And really what's, and like you said, people are scratching their heads. What's missing is getting input from people who are doing the work, people who are talking to the customers. And one of the ways in organization development to build success as you're working on your culture is to involve your people. And I could give you an example. I had a client who, the construction company, successful for 30 plus years, and they wanted to make some changes so that they could expand and they um, wanted to articulate their values. And values are behaviors that are bringing you your success. So every company, whether they've named it or not, has values. And so part of the process was identifying them, but then part of the process was identifying as this organization grows, what new behaviors are needed that maybe aren't yet part of the culture. And the process that we used in creating the values, which are living documents and, and living uh, behaviors, is we first came up with a draft in the senior team, and then I had them all cross-functionally take it to their teams and have conversations about it and ask, what do you all think? And when they came to agreement on some of them, they asked, what are times where you've seen us live these behaviors? And so it was this appreciative inquiry process of finding out the best about the organization, the best things, the best behaviors where people shined, teams shined. And they brought that back. We went through it again, simplified it some more, took it back. And there was so much participation and also engagement around it that by the time we had wrapped it up and had, and I, I recommend keeping it to a handful so people could actually name what these values are. And by the time the CEO rolled it out, everyone had seen it, everyone had touched it, everyone had talked about it. And then we had workshops and, and the leaders were really diligent about this, where as we talked about the values, we played uh, voice messages from clients because they had asked clients, you know, what do you like about working with us? What works for you? Why do you keep hiring us? And so every employee who was in these culture development workshops around values got to hear how these values were lived. 
And so when you, and that's just one example, but when you get people involved in culture development, they will be so engaged and they will be the biggest fans and it'll be something they'll be proud of. And so many people said they went home and created uh, values within their families and in their communities where they do community work. And so we have to remember the importance of getting people who are doing the work involved in any kind of cultural change. I like that a lot. It It is so vital that that work be done across all levels of the organization. And it's interesting, you, you bring up construction. I have a construction client right now that we're working on that very thing. They've, they've been in business quite some time. They've got a good track record. And I asked the owners, what do you stand for? What are, what are you about? And, you know, the early answer was, well, we build houses. And I'm going, yeah, I think you do a little more than that. You know, what and, and that's what we need to work on. And we need to, you know, get that to the front. So it's it's still a work in progress. And my approach to it may not be as thorough as yours. But um, uh, talk to us a little bit about your framework and, and some of the steps that you help guide people through. Sure thing. I'm going to screen share. So in my book, A Powerful Culture Starts With You, which is also my philosophy for the leaders I work with. They have so much more power to shape a beautiful environment, a, a strong, productive culture than they realize. Um, I start by saying, look, when you want to change culture, when you want to improve it, a part of it starts with managing your inner world and the way that you are looking at situations. And this backpack that you see is not a backpack of sustenance and healthy snacks and hydration and notebooks and journals. It's our negative thoughts. And we all carry this to a degree until we realize it and decide this isn't helping me. But sometimes when it comes to working on culture, leaders may think it's these people, it's this generation um, it's, it's the industry we're in, it, it can't be changed or think that they don't have what it takes. And, um, they might be afraid to be vulnerable if something went wrong. And, um, so this backpack has things like, you're not good enough. It's them. It's not you. And I encourage anyone who wants to work on their culture to start with a beginner's mindset and come from a place of curiosity because when you want to work on your culture and i'll share some tools on how to do that the good thing is you're going to hear some great feedback and you're going to think i feel so good about that and at the same time you may hear some suggestions and sometimes it's our first instinct to go into defensive mode and to think well what do they know or they have no idea what i've been doing behind the scenes and Really, it's about taking that step back, pausing, saying, tell me more and understanding if this is a reality, if it's a perception, even if it's a perception, it needs to be managed. And so this backpack represents what things we need to let go of in order to be open. The next thing is creating a positive mindset, seeing things through a lens of positive intent. This image shows uh, our ego, which is a part of our mind that wants to keep us safe. 
And in the best case scenario, when we're in a dangerous, truly dangerous situation, our ego helps us with fight or flight. What do we do? And since we're not in those situations often, rarely, our ego wants a job. It wants to stay employed. I know this sounds so strange and I go more into it in the book, but it's looking out for us. It wants to have a job that's looking out for us, yet it sees everything through the lens of negative intent. And even a comment from someone, when our ego is watching out for us, you say, oh, there he goes, always throwing me under the bus in these meetings. And maybe you need to have a conversation with that person. Maybe they are saying something in a passive aggressive way because they don't know how to communicate constructively. And so this shows that it's important to have, again, a lens of openness, but also a lens of maybe people aren't that bad or maybe they're not seeing, maybe the way I'm seeing it is making it much worse than it is. So again, it's that openness. And then I have a three approach model. The first step, is how to look at your culture with a fresh set of eyes. You go there every day, you walk into the same place, you have the same meeting rooms, and we, after a while, don't notice things. And you can only work on your culture when you take a step back and observe it. And in this model of the, the first of the three models, watch it, and they're all acronyms. I have a tool and I have stories for each of the steps for looking at your culture. So the W is walk around. And this is about walking around and talking to people, seeing how they're doing. This is whether you are part of the C-suite, a director, a manager. The second one, ask, seek, explore, is learning what do they think is going well? What do they think could be improved? What about your leadership? And oftentimes leaders will say, oh, I asked for feedback and they smile and they say, no, everything's great. And so, that might be telling you that they're not comfortable telling you. Um, it may also be they don't know how to deliver the message. And so I ask uh, when clients tell me, how do I get feedback? I say, do this. Ask people, say, you know, I'd like to work on my leadership. Can you think about two things you appreciate about my leadership? And what's a suggestion for how I could be more effective? And we could get back together and talk about this, or you could email this to me. And that's a way to better understand how you are coming across. And clarify and understand is asking questions about it, but not being defensive. Handle your ego is when those times you get that feedback and you're thinking, oh boy, I disagree. This person doesn't know what they're talking about. It's to stay calm, stay rooted, learn a little bit more and see if there's some nuggets in there. And well, if, if I can interject there, you know, thinking about these five steps. So again, uh, if you're with us on audio, we've got a slide that we're looking at that has an acronym, the words watch it. And we've just been through the first five W A T C H walk around, ask, take feedback, clarify, and handle your ego. What I, came to my mind is the notion the popular theme everybody's talking about today in leadership circles is this idea of emotional intelligence if you're going to be in a role of leadership or ownership of a company 
that's an area you've definitely got to work on to be able to do this kind of exercise where you're asking for feedback, taking it in, trying to clarify and protect your ego from overreacting mm-hmm. or re- outright rejecting the feedback you're getting. It may be very important and it does take a certain level of emotional intelligence. And I'm, as I'm saying all this, I'm thinking of an owner that I once worked with who said one of his criteria for hiring people was whether or not they could deal with his personality. And I thought, that's that's a horrible criteria, <laughs> you know, because that tells me you have zero intellectual, uh, I mean, emotional intelligence. You want everybody to comply with your odd and quirky self. And it was, by the way, pretty odd and quirky. But on the contrary, I heard a story of an owner who one day was sitting in his office and someone came in and said, Hey boss, we're rocking and rolling. We're hitting all our numbers. Any chance we could just shut things down and go down the street to the coffee shop and have a break. And he goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And went out on the floor and told everybody, shut it down. We're going to the coffee shop. Let's enjoy the afternoon. They went down there after they got the coffee. The person who suggested it said, well, we really have an ulterior motive. We would like to talk to you about some things that we believe are holding us back. We we all love what we do here. We love working for you, but there are some things that are not going to let us get to the next level. He had the emotional intelligence, the owner, to say, all right, let's go. What you got? And, you know, the first five things were about him. You know, you're a micromanager. We don't need that. We're all smart. We're capable. We can get on with things, so on and so on. And his response to everything was, tell me more. This is awesome. Thank you. I I want this. And then he subsequently made the adjustments. He took it in and thought about the bandwidth that it took on his part to do the different things. And he figured it out and adopted all of the changes they had recommended. Thank you for sharing those two examples. And in the first one, the adapt to me model, that leader is not going to have that much innovation from his or her team because people aren't going to be comfortable speaking up. They're not going to be comfortable sharing their diversity of thought. And that kind of behavior, that kind of language results in, sorry, I know that's really loud. No, no, it's fine. You're good. Oh, the sirens were so loud. No. On the side. You could see no, that. No, it's good. That kind of behavior results in uh, people having water cooler conversations and not speaking their truth. And then the second leader you talked about, how he must have shown up that everyone thought, you know what, it's a little risky. We're going to take him to a coffee shop and, and lay it out. There must have been something in his behavior to make them think this isn't going to be terrible. I'm sure they were nervous and they but they they were also emotionally intelligent and the way that leader responded role modeled 
the culture that he wanted to create. So that's so important to think about how are we role modeling that which we want? How are we walking the talk? Yeah. And I absolutely agree. And this whole thing of walking around, ask, take in feedback, clarify, handle your ego will lead to inspiring a new plan like your client did. And realizing that culture is a living organism. And once you uh, introduce a change, which you've hopefully done with input, you must sustain it. And in order to look at your culture, I thought about what are some tools you can have? And I created four, di four different checklists. And everything I'm talking about could be downloaded at a powerfulculture.com. And so one checklist is how do you look at your physical space with a fresh set of eyes? Where do people meet? Is it comfortable? Where? What's the experience when someone first comes into the office, if you have an office? Are they welcomed? Are they ignored? What do you see on the walls? All of those things are hints about who the organization is. How do you hear people talking in the organization? I, I once went to give a talk for a company and I was in the waiting room and once I noticed two things. One was people were really accommodating. They would walk by and say, oh, are you are okay? Do you need anything? Can I get you some water? Does someone know you're here? I thought, how accommodating. The other thing I noticed, because I wasn't far from the inside and they had um, people who were doing inside sales and I heard a lot of cursing and people were saying, oh, that effing client this and that and and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, because there's people around them who are on the phones. Anyway, come to meet the CEO and his senior team. And he was so accommodating, everything okay, do you need anything? And then in his communication, it was exactly that kind of language, very comfortable with that informal type of language. I'm like, there it is, there's culture right there that you don't even, just you could see so many hints before you even meet the leaders. When you meet the leaders, you already have an idea. So who we are and how we operate is a role model for others. And so the space checklist is about the people and the space. The second one, communications. How are you talking about the vision, the strategy, the values? Do people know what's going on? Employee experience. This is especially important as we are hiring people in a hybrid manner. How do you onboard them? How do they get to develop and get promoted? And then the last one, group dynamics, is about when you are in a room of people in a meeting, who's speaking, who's not speaking? Is it inclusive? Is right. there a welcoming of a diversity of thought? Are there just extroverts and people with power speaking? Or have you set up guidelines where you go, you send an agenda in advance, which is a best practice regardless. And you are making space for people who are more introverted and may not always speak up, especially when an idea has just been presented. Introverts like to think, process, and speak. Are you creating an environment where you go around the room and make sure everyone is heard? Are you creating an environment where people feel safe to speak up and there's a sense of belonging and community? So these different checklists help you look at that from a fresh set of eyes. And I always recommend leaders having some formal and informal leaders 
also look at the checklist and come back together and say, what did we find? And I basically have the thing to look at, thumbs up, thumbs down comments, right? You don't need to rate them on a scale of one through 10. Is it pretty good or wow, that's a sore spot? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, before we get into another, let's... um... It's it's time for us to take a bit of a commercial break here in the show, and then uh, when we do come back, we'll uh, dive into the next part of your model there, Sharzad. So, thank you, and folks, I want you to really hang with us. We got a lot more to pack in here, so we'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Well, hello again, everyone. We're back. Uh, As a reminder, you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, I'm visiting with Sharzad Nuravi. She is an organizational psychologist that's helping us with some models that she has developed. And what we're really talking about is the way that leaders can help make change in the cultures they're leading. And uh, we all know that... uh, Running a business is a team sport. It it takes people on your team to be able to scale, grow, and leverage ideas and leverage capacity to get work done. But if you've um, ever taken on a manager's job, you know as soon as you hire two employees, you've got a whole new host of challenges in front of you, right, to put it mildly. And if, uh, if you've grown a big enough organization, you've got quite a number of things to think about. So Sharzad uh, is helping us with some ideas and some models, and uh, I'll let you take it away with your next one. Thank you, Doug. So the first of the three model approaches, watch it, a new way of looking at your culture. The second one is drive it. And this is about creating a coaching culture where everyone feels comfortable giving and receiving feedback. And it goes beyond what managers tend to do, which is telling, and it's a model of asking. So coaching is creating a safe environment where you can, when an employee comes to you, rather than telling them what to do, you are coaching them, asking them questions, helping them see the big picture and what they think they should do. now. You may be asking, isn't it easier just to tell people what to do? It is, and there's times where you're very short on time and there's no time for coaching. There's a client emergency. Yes, then it's fine to tell. If you think of it like the metaphor of giving someone fish or teaching them to fish, it's the latter. And the drive it model, I I wanted to create something where people have an opportunity to coach through steps and each letter has different questions with it that you could download on a powerfulculture.com. And most people are not gonna go through hundreds of hours of coach training and client coaching, yet we all need to coach, whether it's with our peers, our employees, our community, our family members. And it's a great skill set to have and to be open to 
um, receiving coaching. And so the steps for drive it are one D is ver determine the challenge. Sometimes a person knows exactly what the problem is. And sometimes they say, there's this thing bugging me. I can't quite articulate it, but I, I want to talk it through. The R is reflect on what making this change would mean to you. And let's say someone says, my dream is to start a business or my dream is to get promoted to VP. And when you give a person an opportunity to reflect on what that would be like, and even imagine, one of the things I share is imagine that you achieved this dream. Tell me about a day in your life. What's happening? How are you working? Who are you working with? What are you doing? How are you feeling? And being able to pretend that you've made it to that point, it trains your brain and it, and your brain almost believes it. And when we have that, we build confidence and we actually start attracting the things that we need. It's the oddest thing. And it's happened to me so many times that I, I just sometimes laugh about it. There was one time I was working on a community project to create a safe pedestrian crossing where I live. And I was talking to the community groups and plodding along. It was a little bit difficult. I went to an event, a fundraiser. There was a hundred tables of 10 per table. I know because I counted because I thought this is so huge. And at my table, I sit down and I have my friend next to me and a gentleman next to her. And he introduced himself and I thought he sounds oddly familiar, but I don't know who he is. And then I started talking about this road project, right? And he, he, and how difficult it is to get traction and it's so dangerous. And he asked my friend, what is she talking about? And she explained it to him. He said, I'm the former city council member for that district. I started working on that and I turned out. And I just stared at him for a second. How in a room of a thousand people was this person two seats away, not across the table where he couldn't even hear? How did that happen? And meeting him helped uh, create the impetus for change. And years later, we got the cross light. Yeah, and I share this because it was so important to me to make this change. I had created a vision board and I went to a community that actually had one and took a picture of myself with it. I created a new local newspaper article where I wrote that it happened. And this all sounds uh, creative and silly, and, and it is. And it's when you can imagine something is going to happen, it may actually attract the right events and people to you. So that's the reflect on what making this change would mean. I is invite a new way of thinking. Oftentimes we have assumptions and I ask questions to help my clients uncover what those assumptions are and what might be another way of looking at this. The V valiantly get out of your comfort zone. Anytime we want to achieve great things, there are things that may be blocking us, whether it's thinking we don't have time, whether it's thinking we don't have skills and there's a bravery that comes with doing great new things. Yeah, And, yeah. and we have to get out of our, Comfort zone. Anything you would add to that, Doug? 
No, I agree. And, and a lot of what I'm hearing is, is the basic mindset. You know, what, what are you predisposed to thinking? And I go all the way back to your first slide of the, of the person throwing the backpack over the cliff. You know, you've got to get rid of those limiting beliefs that are your first responses to the what if kinds of questions. It's not what if I fail, it's, it's what does it look like if I succeed? And, and you move forward with that new way of thinking. Exactly right. And then engage support. We often feel like we have to do everything independently. And there's something great about that belief in oneself. And we forget there are people who care about us. There are people who care about what we're doing. How can we engage them? And right. how do we also support others? And so engage support is about creating a community. So whether it's um, a group of friends that you get on board to support you, whether it's people who can help, you know, help you be accountable, it matters. And then initiate, I is initiate the first step and everything big starts with the first step. And it could be looking up an article. It could be talking to one person. It could be watching a podcast and then transform your thinking to prepare for challenges. Because anytime we are doing something new, whether it's deciding we're going to share our voice in our community and in the workplace, or we are starting a whole new initiative, know that if it were easy, you would have done it already. And, and prepare yourself that, yeah, there's going to be days that are tough and it's okay. And the more that we could be realistic about it, the less painful it will be because we'll remind ourselves, oh, I've been here, right? Um, I'm working on my second book and it's for female leaders. And guess what? After writing the first one and Doug, you've written five and contributed to a sixth one that's coming out. You start knowing what the challenges are going to be. There's going to be Saturdays where I'm at home writing and I look outside and it's beautiful blue skies and 74 degree weather. And I have to say, oh, that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. okay. And, and I may be moaning and groaning out loud and my dog looks at me like, what are you doing? But that's okay. I'm now better prepared. But we just have to know there's some pain that comes with doing great things. So right. that's the drive it model. Anything you would add to this, Doug? No. Again, I'll, I'll just emphasize the what what I'm hearing here is is the whole idea of of doing the work in your mind as a leader. We have to control our thought process and we have to train ourselves to think differently about the challenges in front of us. And as our business grows and changes, we've got to grow with it. You know, Marshall Goldsmith famously wrote a book that said, what got you here won't get you there. And uh, I love that phrase. And that is so incredibly true. You might have had great success doing things a certain way, but as business changes and as markets change and customers change, you're going to have to change with it. And it all starts, I call it the six inches of real estate between your ears that is the most valuable piece of property you'll ever own. If you can't manage that real estate and make these kinds of thought changes 
you are going to perpetually struggle with the business you're trying to grow. That's exactly right. And when we want new results, we need new behavior. And what got you here won't get you there is such a great reminder of that. And it's about getting out of that comfort zone. So thank you for that reminder. Charzot, I know I know you've got some more here, and and uh, we, we'll maybe hit this other one pretty quick. We're kind sure. of running up on time here, and I want to be sensitive to that. Yeah, thank you. And the walk it model is a tool for a senior team to become completely aligned. Oftentimes, in my work with senior teams, I will see that people are not speaking up, and then they take a new initiative, and employees ask them about it. And they'll say, oh, just ignore it or it'll go away. And each member of the senior team has to align and agree and support what they're all talking about. And the first step is walk the talk. So when you are walking the talk and the second step, aligning your senior team, L, looking at your culture, K, knowing your plan, I, integrating values, which we talked about, and T, tracking everything, you are ensuring that your senior team is moving in a direction together toward the same goal. So that's the third model is walk it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Very powerful information here. And what we're going to do, folks, we're going to have the outlines of these in the show notes. And um, as Sharzad has shared, she's got her website where all of this is downloadable and we'll make that accessible to you as well. So don't worry if you weren't keeping notes during the show here. We've got uh, references for all of this great content. And Sharzada, congratulations. I, I love the framework. I love the, the, the clarity of it and the simplicity of it. As, as the show title suggests here, we're all about leadership powered by common sense. And one way you get to common sense is to try to make things a little more simplistic, a little more direct, a little, uh, well, I should say a lot more clarity. So thank you for laying these out with the uh, acronyms that can. So we've got uh, watch it, drive it, and walk it. I really appreciate that. Any any closing thoughts or comments you want to share about your message to people? Sure. Yeah, I wanted to make these tools really clear and really simple. Why? Because people are busy and our attention spans can only handle so much. We have so much coming at us and I wanted to break it down into steps. So my hope is that leaders around the country and maybe even the world will use these to make their workplaces not just more productive because that will happen, not just more successful, but places where people want to stay and want to stay longer. And so I leave you with my philosophy and the title of my book, A Powerful Culture Starts With You. Thank you so much. Well, again, thank you for sharing with us and and being here. And I'll say one more time, we're going to have references and links to all this information. And if you want to get a hold of Sharzad personally, uh, there'll be a link there for that as well. I do want to remind you that, uh, again, if you're listening to this on your favorite audio streaming, we do have a video over on YouTube. And this particular episode, we did have some slides, so it might be 
beneficial to hop over to YouTube and actually check out the video to get the images of the work we were talking about. I want to ask everybody to uh, give us uh, a review on your leave a comment or remark on your favorite streaming service, or if you want to hop over to YouTube and join the channel over there, subscribe there, leave us a comment. I'm always looking for feedback from you. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's it's the way we can continue crafting this show to to try to serve a greater good. And I want to thank everyone for listening. We're going to sign off for now, say goodbye, and hope to see you again real soon. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.